Pokemon into uh, Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 13.40 AM. The first show of the month of December of the year 2023. So we are literally in the home stretch of the year 2023. And it's we're glad to be back on the air with you. We've had some some hockey uh, preemptions. We had uh, the Gremlins appeared again for the first time in a while and took us out last week. But this Sunday night, two hours, it's the Super Sunday Night Edition of Heatwave Sports. The OGs, Tim and Tom. And we got plenty to talk about tonight, man. And, and, uh, Tommy and I were joking that this literally could be an eight-hour show tonight and we might not have enough time to get through everything. We will do our best. We'll do our best. Week 13 of the week NFL. Of the, NFL. The, Major the Major League Baseball winter meeting starting this week. Try to squeeze you and LB in as they back to a bowl game, to a game bowl and first time in forever. And let me bring in my partner, as, my always, partner as always, Tom Barton Tommy Barton. Tommy Barton. Tom, tons Tom, to tons get through tonight. We're going to try to get it all in here, but this is one of those nights, man. I have not calmed down. From something that I knew was going to happen, and we'll, we'll get into that. I had a good NFL day, um, you know, rolling right along. I know my free play doesn't come up until tomorrow, but rolling right along. A good NFL day for me, betting-wise, TomBartonSports.com, again, rolling right along. Uh, I have a big, big, big play uh, linked up with tomorrow night. My prop players are doing well. So, uh, personally, I'm doing well. I have a baby on the way. It's Christmas time. I bought almost all of my Christmas gifts this weekend. Tim, I'm smiling ear to ear, and yet I'm still fired up. I, I just can't. I, I can't not let it affect me. But I'm still fired up. Maybe not as as much fired up as other people in my household. <laughs> but I will tell you, um, I just in all walks of life, no matter what happens, I hate to see just total injustices being done. I, I can't stand it. So we will get into that. The NFL-wise, Tim, you know, I, I think it's time, and we have to talk about this, I think it's time to announce that there's a new best team in the AFC. We're all going to talk about the NFC, and I think that the changing of the guard was obvious. What about the AFC? But we'll get into that as well. And and how can I sleep, Tim? How can you sleep? How can anyone sleep when we know this week we're getting closer to Otani? This week... Maybe Juan Soto becomes a Yankee. There's already being moves being done in Seattle that if you read between the lines, maybe something's going on there. So one of the coolest times of sports right now, uh, college basketball, NHL, bowl games being announced, NFL rolling right along, looking at the playoffs, Major League Baseball, everything is coming together. So I'm in a really good sports mood, but man, I'm feeling nasty tonight. Let me set. Let me set. The stage for you, because I know your head's going to explode here when you get to unleash the fury of Tom Barton. But you, you just said it, Tommy. You got a baby on the way. Has this been announced officially on Heatwave Sports yet? Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't. I, well, I, I, I think we announced that Abby was pregnant, but we did not announce that we found out it will be a boy. Okay. So yes, we we did find that out the day before Thanksgiving. We uh, we got the test back. And we found out that we are having another boy. So I have a 10-year-old son. I have a six-year-old daughter. And now I'm going to have a, a brand new boy. Yeah, I'm old and I'm having a kid. <laughs> but but, but that's okay. And, and, you know, when you have the third, and this is not to disparage anybody that has a different than this, but 
we were we were kind of rooting for it because there's such a difference between the boys' ages. There's not going to be a rivalry there. You know, I think uh, my oldest son can help me coach and do things like that. And you just wanted, if you have a middle child, you kind of just want, if, if she's going to be the little girl, at least she's going to always be the girl. So she gets the attention. So you have the baby getting the attention, the firstborn getting the attention, and the only girl. It worked out absolutely perfect. Somebody up there likes us a little bit. Of course, you and I spoke about it <coughs> personally, but... Officially, he waves sports. Congratulates Tom and Abby Barton on, a, on a, the addition of a new new one coming to the family. But Tom, if you have three, does that mean you got to go to four because you have to keep it even? <laughs> I am not like that, but it's pretty funny because we we you know when you have a baby this late uh, in life, yeah. You know, and my wife is like almost five years younger than me. But when you have a baby this late in life, she's not that old, but I am. Uh, people start asking, oh, was it a mistake? No, it wasn't. We decided, hey, you know what? Let's get, we're in a good financial spot. We're, we're good parents. Our kids are both, you know, gifted and gifted programs and honor rolls and everything else. Let's, uh, it's a, it's a good time. I work from home. Let's, let's try for another baby. And, and, you know, the grandparents kind of were like, wow, okay. It's a little surprising. And then immediately they were, were saying, oh, you guys going to stop at three. Just like you said. I said, okay, listen. I, I'm freaking out at the idea that I will be retiring when he's kind of getting out of high school. So yeah, I think three is going to be it. And three is a great number for our household. Babe Ruth, the greatest player of, of any sport of any time. Number three, my favorite lucky number is number three. My son's favorite lucky number is number three. He is the third. So three works out well for us. Yes. Yes. That is awesome, man. Congrats again. Well, Tim, I'll tell you something funny because I know that you appreciate wrestling. So it hit us when we went out to dinner, you know, to celebrate. Uh, I said, wow, we're going to have to start to say five soon, you know. So my son, my son said, yeah, we got to get used to it. five, five. Okay, party of five, party of five. Without hesitation, me and my son looked at each other and said, five time, five time, five time. And we did the Booker <laughs> T thing looking at each other. I said, oh, yeah, this is, this is going to get worn out. That's for sure. <laughs> and another sports and another fan to add to the Heat Wave Sports family, Tommy. Sports family, Tommy. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. He's uh, yeah. Got, got, got another Yankee fan in there to get mad at Cashman. Cashman will probably still have his job yeah. by the time he's my age. I was going to say, he'd probably say still be there. So, you know. <laughs> Anyways, right? Anyways, so, right? Again, congrats. Yeah, congrats. And- Let's talk. Let's talk Thank about you. this. Talk about we'll start. This. We'll start with the college right, we'll football because that football. that's the big uh, that's, the big, uh, that's the, big story. So, the big story. So the college football playoff, college football playoff is, is set. It'll be, set. It'll be Michigan, Michigan, Michigan Washington, Washington, Texas, Texas, and Alabama. All four conference champions. So that's the four. So that's Here's the, the problem. Here's the problem. Undefeated. Undefeated. ACC, thirteen and zero. Florida State, left out. Tom, left out. And we've seen this happen before when it was the BCS. Uh, we've seen it happen to. I, I wouldn't say not on the same level of teams, but we've seen it happen to. What was it? The Central Floridas, right? Teams left out. They were they were undefeated. But this is probably the biggest travesty I've ever seen in sports. Period. This is this has to be up there. What a complete screw job. Florida State was, Florida given. State was given, and there is no, and there is no you know, you try to you paint, know, you try both, to paint sides both sides of the, of the picture, 
There is no other side there of the picture, no Tom. This is just a complete travesty. Travesty. It's not only a travesty, and let's let's make this perfectly clear. If this was <clears throat> any team, because I've ranted and raved on this network about Boise State, UCF, about Oklahoma State, you can go back, you can go back to Auburn when they had Jason Campbell there. I have ranted and raved on the radio every time somebody gets the shaft. But there's always been the idea behind the them getting the shaft of weak schedule, you didn't schedule this, you didn't do enough, blah, blah, blah. That, that's always been there. But I've ranted and raved. So this is not a Florida State thing. This is bigger than college football this year. This is a travesty that will have a ripple effect for all of college football. I am not being dramatic when I say college football as we know it is dead. Officially dead. Because here's the thing, Tim. We knew that the nil deal would change college football in the landscape, and it has. We knew that coaches leaving, you know, and because of it would change the college landscape, and it has. We also knew that the dissolution, basically, of the Pac-12 would change the college football landscape with all of the big schools, Texas, Oklahoma, and whatnot, going to the SEC and Washington and Oregon, going to the Big Ten. We knew the two mega conferences would have a ripple effect on college football. We also knew the 12, or the 18, and then maybe the 12 team college football playoff would all have ripple effects. Yes, 100%. But what we didn't know and what we couldn't predict was that the committee would look us in the face as fans, as media, as college football people and tell you we're corrupt, we're disgusting, and there's nothing you can do about it. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, there is no reason whatsoever in any way, shape, and form here, Tim, that an undefeated conference champion should be left out. Now, here's the here's the thing, okay? I've watched, and I've watched football this entire year, probably as much as anybody listening right now on the college football landscape. You can't sit here and make a honest, true assessment of who earned it. And that's the difference here. We're talking about, do you take the best four teams or you take the four teams that earned it? You can't have it both ways. And if you're talking about who earned it, Florida State earned it. The end, finished. If you're talking about who are the best four, well, the argument that the SEC has is, well, the best team, well, then why wouldn't Georgia be there? If, if, if that's what you want to think. Georgia's not even in Florida or in front of Florida State, so don't give me that. It was pure and not, an utter nonsense. This is the year the SEC should have been left out. Here's some facts for you. Florida State took on two SEC teams, one on the road, one with their backup quarterback on the road, and beat them by nine, okay? They also took on the likely Heisman Trophy winner and destroyed that team, destroyed them. They took on, you can't look at schedule, so they didn't mention schedule like they used to do at UCF, like they used to do at Boise State. You can't mention schedule, can you, Tim? No, you can't. You can't mention power conference because what did the SEC do this year? Fell on its face. They had the worst out-of-conference record against of, of all of the Power 5 teams out there. The worst. The If you believe, and I'm saying this to everybody out there right now, and I'll give out the phone number and, and so you could call up. I'll give out my Twitter. Tom Barton Sports, HW Sports. Go either one of them, okay? 876-1340. Come on at it. 
Because there is no reason. If you believe with your heart that Alabama earned this over Florida State, you've never watched a minute of college football that means anything. You have no idea what you're talking about. None. If you want to tell me that you think they're the best team, different argument, Tim. But now, doesn't it become an invitational as opposed to a playoff? This isn't a playoff. Stop calling it a playoff. It's now an invitational. They're going on, they're basing this on preseason rankings. Georgia had a joke of a schedule this year. But they were number one all year. Why? Well, because they were preseason number ones. Why? Why were they preseason number ones? Because some guy just thought that. Alabama nearly lost to Auburn. And let's be honest, if they reviewed the catch, they did lose to Auburn. Alabama played a weak schedule on their own. Alabama struggled in games they should not have struggled against. The eye test told you that Alabama did not earn it. And if you're talking to me about the best teams, it's all speculation. The SEC does this, don't they? They always say, well, we play the other SEC teams. Well, how do the other SEC teams do against other conferences? I can tell you how Florida State did against other conferences. 2-0, neither one of them in Tallahassee. That's scheduling the right way. That's scheduling for national championship. But, oh my goodness, here's what they came down to. The committee sat around and they sat in a room and they said, okay, look, guys, we got to get Alabama in here. We got to get an SEC team. We have to. We can't. We're owned by the SEC. We're ruled. We're paid off by the SEC. ESPN has a contract with the SEC, and they're running the college football committee. So you know they have to get them in there. It's money, 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 and money. So they said, well, we can't put Alabama in and not put Texas because Texas went into Alabama and beat them in Tuscaloosa by 10. What? So you had to put Texas in if you're going to put Alabama. That's how Florida State got shafted. It was money. It was under the table. It was sniving, cowardly awfulness. And what they did was they stood up on your television. They looked directly into the camera and they said, there's nothing you can do about it. And that's reality. And now they have Florida State playing in the Orange Bowl against Georgia. Well, Florida State completely unmotivated. Florida State who... I mean, why would you even play if you're a senior in this game or if you're looking to go to the draft, right? But if Georgia wins, Tim, what are they going to say? If Georgia wins, oh, it validates everything. Florida State's terrible. Oh, they're terrible. But if Georgia loses, what are they going to say? Ah, it doesn't matter. Georgia didn't care. They didn't care about the game. They're in a no-lose situation. I saw online that somebody said, you know what? Florida State should just say no to the Orange Bowl. Go to, but, but they need the money, obviously, for the school. They should go to the Orange Bowl and just take a knee. At midfield, put the ball down and say, okay, we played, give us our money, and walk away. They're too classy to do that, but they should. Which also brings to the effect of Jordan Travis. If Jordan Travis was questionable, and if Florida State lied, maybe he'll be back for the bowl game. Guess what? They're going bowling. They found a loophole. They found an excuse. They found nonsense. And I'll say it again. This is earned. I don't want to hear about point spreads either. These morons, these talking head idiots out there that think they have any idea how to handicap a game or what sports handicapping is. That is not there to tell you who's going to win. It's set up because the public believes that. All these morons out there, well, they beat 10-point favorites or 10-point underdogs against Alabama. They beat 10-point. Yeah, guess what? If we did that, Tim, Washington would be out because they were 10.5-point underdogs against Oregon on Friday, right? So that's why you play the games. 
You cannot look at this, build two mega conferences, take these teams and say, if you're not part of the two mega conferences and you don't have a deal with ESPN and you don't have money coming in from Disney, you're not making it no matter what you do. It will destroy college football, and it did today. Let me read this. Let me read this. Uh, quote, uh, quote or statement or from statement Bob Corrigan, the, the college football playoff college selection football committee chairman. I know you saw this on ESPN too, as well, Tommy. And, and basically, he said that Florida State is a different team than it was the first weeks. As you look at who they are as a team right now, without Jordan Travis, without the offensive dynamic he brings, they are a different team. And the committee voted Alabama four, Florida State five. When I heard that, I, I, heard I really that, couldn't I, believe, I that believe that that's, that's the only excuse they can come up with. Since when, Tom, did when, Tom, losing your starting losing quarterback, your starting factor, quarterback into factor into whether or not you qualified into a playoff into that a playoff when you went undefeated and won your conference? Since they tried to find something for Alabama, Tim, we've been on the air. And, and when Alabama, back in I think it was 2011 or 2012, when Alabama lost a game, didn't win their division, they lost to LSU, I think it was 9-6 or 6-3, right, during the regular season. They didn't win their division, didn't play in their conference championship game, and yet won the national championship. That was a precedent that we didn't see for 150 years in the history of college football. In the history of college football, one team ever broke the precedent of did not win your division, didn't play in your conference championship, but played in the national championship game. A couple of years after that, another loophole, 160 almost years difference of the precedent was set. It has never been done before. Guess what? It was Alabama that got the break. Two tainted championships, and every Alabama fan knows you have tainted championships. Now, no team in the history of this college football playoff has ever won their conference championship in a Power 5 conference, gone undefeated, and not made the playoffs. Not only was Florida State jumped by one team, Tim, by two. And here's what is the most disgusting part about it. Last week, they knew Jordan Travis was out for the season. They had just beaten Florida, right? You knew Jordan Travis was out. They ranked Florida State four, they ranked Texas seven, and they ranked Alabama eight. So you knew that last week. If you would have dropped it last week, it would have it hurt, but I could have understood it. But Florida State goes out there, win their game. Alabama wins their game. Texas wins their game. How do you justify jumping in number eight team all the way to number four? It doesn't make any sense. It would not happen anywhere. And for those of you SEC ball washers out there, is that how you called it right there, Tim? All you guys that are shining up that NFL football uh, or uh, NCAA football and going, oh, here we go. All of you guys out there for the SEC, I wonder if it was the other way around. Would you be saying that? Would you be telling me that Georgia, an undefeated Georgia, should be out of the playoff? Why? Well, because they lost a quarterback. Milrow goes out for Alabama. Oh, you know what? They're out. No, no, no. It would never, ever happen to Alabama. It probably wouldn't happen to the SEC, but it certainly wouldn't happen to Alabama. Every rule for the better part of two-plus decades that is in college football, has been skewed and slanted towards one team and one conference, Alabama and the SEC. They are a down conference. It's been an overrated conference for two decades. 
they can't play offense for how long, okay? And again, we go over it time and time again. Just because you beat the SEC doesn't mean you could go in there and win. And I got the question asked me today. Well, Tom, what do you think? Would you think Florida State could have won? That's speculation. Nobody thought Washington could win a Friday. It's speculating. You can't speculate. You have to go by what is in front of you. The resume in front of you, Florida State is better than Alabama. The resume in front of you, Florida State is better than Texas. The resume in front of you, here we go. Hold on to your corn cob pipe for this one, Tim. Washington's better than Michigan with the resume in front of you. But they don't do that. They care about money. It's complete and utter money. College football is dead. Speaking of money, though, what are the ramifications of Florida State here? Losing, they're losing out on some major money here. What if they would have went 2-0 and in the CFP? There's millions of dollars they've lost here now. It's not only millions of dollars, which obviously is huge. This is why I say it's dead. The recruiting conversation is over. All this mm-hmm. said to every recruit in the country, whatever happens, whatever goes on, do not go to Florida State. Do not pick an ACC team over an SEC or Big Ten team. That's what they just told every recruit. So this can resonate, Tim, for decades. Decades, because why? Because they are in direct competition in uh, recruiting. If you're going to go to Florida, Tim, Okay, and you want to choose Florida or Miami, or you're going to go Florida or Florida State, or you're going to go Clemson or South Carolina, and you know, hey, we can go undefeated. We can have a great season, but they're always going to favor the SEC. They're always going to favor the Big Ten. Then you're not going to get the best players. This hurts everybody in college football, not named Alabama. That being said, how do you look at the final four? You know, look, I like Michigan. You know I like Harbaugh, okay? I know he cheated. I get it. And and my love for Harbaugh went away a lot because of the cheating. Uh, But it also, I'm a realist here. Florida State played a better game than Michigan last Mm -hmm. night. Okay, Florida State went up against Louisville offense that was rolling. You can talk to me all you want about the Louisville defense. Okay, it's not very good. Whatever. Florida, uh, Louisville's offense w- was much better than Iowa. Okay, can we come to that? Iowa's offense was a disaster. Iowa, uh, Michigan had a, a kick return. Other than that, Iowa kind of shut down Michigan. I worry about that. Blake Corum cannot run against good defenses. We've seen that over and over again. I worry about Michigan because of that. I think if Florida State took on Michigan, they'd win, by the way. Yes, with a backup quarterback. With Rodemaker, not with Kroen Klein. But anyway, um, I worry about Michigan being number one. I still think they're better than Alabama. I think Alabama's a total and utter fraud. But it wouldn't shock me if Bama won because Michigan has holes. On the other side, Texas, Washington, this should be your championship game. Washington's the best team in the country right now. They played the toughest schedule in the country. They played the most top five teams. They took out Oregon twice against all odds. They have the guy that probably should win the Heisman. He won't, but he should win the Heisman in Penix. 
But Texas has got something going on right now. It's just great. And I love the storyline about Sark against the, the Huskies. I'm going to take Washington to beat Texas because everybody keeps looking down on Washington. Everybody. And while Michigan has problems, and I think that Michigan team is questionable, and I absolutely think they could lose to Alabama, I think Washington can win this whole thing. And that's not from a Washington fan. That's from watching them in close games. Watching them excel in spots that they shouldn't excel. Watching them come up huge in big-time spots. That's what Washington's done all year. Everybody's looking down upon them. Look, I, I think if you jumble these teams up, play them 100 times, each team wins 25 games. I really do believe that it's that close. Would it shock me if Alabama won this thing? No. And I, I, I'm i sure we're all going to be watching the officiating really close in Alabama games. It wouldn't shock me if Alabama won. No. I, I, I tend to think if we shuffled this up right now, I, I think most people would agree that Washington is the underdog. But I think they're the most battle-tested. I'll take Washington to win. But again, wouldn't shock me if they lose right away to Texas. The storylines story uh, <clears throat> Man, it's just, they're, they're built in so, they're so deep. You have, like you said, the, the Michigan team with the cheating and uh, Harbaugh missing out on significant time. They, from their spin, right, Tom, the adversity they've had to come through. Is he going to stay after this year? You have the, the team in Alabama, which is going to spin it of the, they didn't want us here. We have to prove them wrong. You have to look at uh, Washington as the team that played in a weak Pac-12 conference. They don't deserve to be there either. And then you have Texas, like you said, that probably the, the I think for me is the biggest storyline in that the Sark and, and his. This is like a, for him, it can be a complete redemption story, Tommy, if they can win it all from where he was just a few years ago, basically jettisoned out of SC, being labeled a, a drunk or whatever it was that the case may be, but like a complete career rejuvenation here if he can do this. So they, they definitely have the drama set up. And let's make something perfectly clear here, Tim, right? Um, if Alabama does go on to win the national championship, it doesn't validate the decision. I see that all the time. I, I, so I want to get out in front of that. I see that all the time. I'm sure inevitably somebody will write me, oh, see, uh, oh, they won the national championship. It shows validation. It doesn't mean that they earned to be there. It doesn't mean that they earned it. You know, last year, the Eagles played better than Kansas City in the Super Bowl. They didn't win the Super Bowl. Oh, well, they, why even play the game? Yeah. Right? I mean, you you play the games for a reason. If Alabama lost in the beginning of the year, that's perfectly okay. They lost at home, Tim. At home. Now, I'm going to ask you, what do you think the networks, the college football playoff, and the slimy scumbags that figure this all out, what do you think that they want? No. Oh. You got to have Bama in there. Have Bama in there. Texas Bama rematch? Yeah. 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 What did Texas beat him by what? Ten earlier this year. Beat him by ten at home in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, so that that would be the perfect storyline setup, no doubt about it. And and then you know what, Tom? They might get it. Yeah, they might. And it wouldn't shock anybody. And here's the thing: if they get it, Florida State needs to raise a banner, national champs. Of course. Central Florida did, Central didn't they? Florida did, didn't they? Yeah, and I still recognize Central Florida. 
<laughs> I mean, you you have got to do that if you are Florida State. I mean, come on, if you're Florida State and you beat Georgia in that playoff in that bowl game, which by the way, I don't think they will because I don't think anybody's playing and I don't care about it. Uh, like a guy like Jared Verse, he's probably a top ten pick. Why? Why is he coming? He's the best defensive player on that team. Why would he play in that game? Mm-hmm. But if they do play in that game and they beat Georgia, Florida State finishes the season fourteen and zero, and a one loss Texas or a one loss Alabama wins the national championship. You better believe that you are raising that banner. Before we go to break, Before think about break, this. Uh, this uh, no research. So right off the top of your head. Right and I know it's fresh, know so it's fresh. you know we call this overreaction call this Sunday. Overreaction. In fact, tonight, if you looked at the X, it's yes. huge it's overreaction huge. Sunday. Overreaction. The the tra- the, travesty, the of justice, travesty of justice or misjustice, or right? Misjustice, right? Of, Florida State. of Florida State, you talked about, talked about a couple Alabama, Alabama championships, championships that were, that were frauds. frauds. We can even go back, to the, 80s, go back Tom, to the 80s, Tom, if you want to. You remember those Penn State teams? I think there was two Penn State teams that finished undefeated. And because there was no playoff at the no time, finished number time, two in the AP in and the coaches' AP polls. And polls. Is this the is biggest, this the biggest uh, uh, faux, pas faux pas ever in college, sports? in college sports? It's the biggest faux pas in the history of all sports as far as uh, allowing somebody to go that doesn't deserve it. You know, I'm not going to put this up with, you know, the steroid error or something like that. You know, no, those those things. no. This is the biggest mistake in judgment because to me, it unveiled the curtain, Tim. You know, I watched Wizard of Oz last week with, with my daughter. And, you know, at the end of Wizard of Oz where they lean the curtain back and it's just a guy going, oh, don't look behind the curtain. They pulled that curtain open and said, we are biased. We're bought and sold. We are completely and utterly trust untrustworthy. And you can't do a thing about it. And they're laughing at us. They're laughing at every college football fan. They're laughing at everybody in the media and anybody that stands up for Alabama. All you are is a dirty shill doing their bidding. That's reality. And the spin for them will be, Tom? Well, now you get eight teams coming up here in, what, two years, right? Yeah, exactly. That's going to be the thing. Well, it'll be fixed next year anyway, except it won't be, Tim. You know that. You know, at an eight-team playoff, they're going to try to get five or six teams from the Big Ten in the SEC in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you know, no, and right. then it'll be it'll be a team like Liberty, it'll be a team like uh, you know Florida State or Clemson, hoping for a seven seed. It's going to be the same thing. It's going to be when and you could go back. I know we have to take a break. You could go back to when they sat down and decided to get uh, to expand the playoffs, and the, the first time with the four-team playoffs. Every conference of the Power Five conferences said, look, here's what we should do. They wanted a 16 playoff, all five Power Five conferences go, and then a team that was not a Power Five conference. That was the original. The Pac-12, the Big Ten, the ACC, and the, and the Big 12 all sat down and said, yeah, we agree to that. Sure, our conference champion goes. The SEC said no. And they asked the SEC, why not? And they said, because we believe a four-team college football playoff should have four SEC teams because we're better than everybody else. They admitted it then. They knew what the system was. They knew it then. Liberty, by the way, the Fiesta Bowl matchup with Oregon, if they win that time, they'll be 14-0. They can stake their claim to a national championship as well. I, look, I like Liberty. I made a lot of money on Liberty this year. I made a lot of money on Liberty this week. I had Liberty, 
minus the 11. They won by 14. I had the over. That went way over. I had the team total over. I love Liberty. Uh, if Oregon cares, they're going to they're gonna just absolutely humiliate Liberty, though. Tim Unglesby, Tom Tim Barton, Heat Wave Sports. Sports. Time for our first time out. Time for our, yeah, I guess that's how you say it, right? First time out coming at you here when we come back. We'll look at some of the bowl we'll matchups bowl that were announced today as well. And I'll get Tom's, I'll get Tom's uh, thoughts on. Thoughts There's on. some pretty good games in the bowl games. I'll, I'll say that they did. A good job in some of the matchups there. We got Major League Baseball coming up, and of course, Week 13 of the National Football League. Tom said there's a new king in the AFC, and there's another fraud possibly in the AFC. We'll look at that as well here on a Super Sunday night. It's E-Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM. Now back to E-Wave Sports with Tim Ogilvy and Tom Barton. Coming off a big first segment here on Heat Wave Sports, Tom Barton completely obliterated what the college football committee is all about, and uh, we're in a couple chat groups, Tommy, and I can't really read what a lot of people are saying, including myself on air, but I think everybody has the same agreement in that Florida State hosed out of this year's tournament. Yeah, I don't think it's a question. I, I, I mean, it, it just isn't, you know. Uh, again, you the only reason, and they gave the reason, the only reason to keep them out is pure speculation. Yeah. Pure speculation. If you look at the resume, they blew out an SEC team, blew out a, a top SEC team, a top 25 SEC team uh, that was ranked, I think, two at the time, and they got a number four ranking. After that, they won at top 25 Clemson. They blew out number 18 Duke. They beat Florida to go 2-0 in the SEC on the road. They beat 14 Louisville, holding them to the lowest point total of the season, 13 and 0, ACC champions, and dropped from four to five. <laughs> right, you know, right. Right. <laughs> you know, no matter how you you work it out, you are the only reason they're not in is speculation. You're speculating that they couldn't get by with their backup quarterback. You're speculating. Yeah, uh, complete. I can't say I can't what say I want to say, so it, it's fine, Tom. We we, we all we all we know, all, right? All know. So, uh, it did, so so let's take a look at. We, we talked about the final four. We talked about the possibility of who can play for the national championship. But if you look at it as a whole, from the bowl season, um, you know, the last couple of years we've talked about that. Maybe lackluster maybe was a better word to better use some of the matchups as a whole, but I think this year, there's tons of good games, tons man. Tons of good games, man. Yeah, absolutely. It's you, you, the, every year. It seems like you get, um, uh, you know, it kind of ebb and flow, right? You either go, "Oh, I'm really excited," or uh, "Not so much," but you know it right away. Like you said last year, Tim. I think we had the conversation, and and you were you were saying, "Eh, I don't know," right? Yeah. I mean. Yeah. You you were you were not exactly thrilled. Hundred percent thrilled this year, though. I mean, let's, let's just look at some of these matchups. How about I, I mentioned it before the break? Undefeated number twenty-three Liberty against Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl. How about a team like? Uh, I know this isn't gonna. I know this isn't gonna. Pop ratings, Tom, but it's a good football game. Toledo eleven wins, Wyoming eight wins over in the Arizona Bowl. Florida State, Georgia, Florida State, we talked Georgia. about that a little talked bit. About Five or six in the Orange Bowl. 
Penn State, Ole Penn Miss State, over, Ole in over in the Peach Bowl. Both teams with 10 teams wins this year, Tommy. How about Ohio State, Ohio Missouri, State, Missouri, seven versus nine seven in the Cotton Bowl. Cotton Bowl? Just some. Those are just some of the, the matchups the towards the end of the year that uh, the year really are going to be fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, even if you go down deeper, I know we don't love to talk deeper into things, but here, um, Louisville USC is an interesting matchup. Um, yeah. I think that that you start to look at interesting matchups, and you go, okay, how about Oklahoma Arizona? That could be fun. Uh, Clemson Kentucky is going to be fun. Well, you you go down, uh, you know, further down, kind of the trough here, uh, and like you said. You're not always getting the the greatest of games um, uh, on the national landscape, but real real fans know North Carolina West Virginia is going to be a fun one, Tim. Yeah. And, and then the team that I think I, I I look I hate to disparage Air Force, but I was hoping James Madison would get a, a better ball. I wanted to see like you know, we have Troy against Georgia Tech. I wanted to see James Madison against like a Duke. You know, I know it's UCF Duke. James Madison against maybe a, uh, you know, a Northwestern. By the way, how about the best story in all of college football? Forget about that Coach Sanders nonsense. But the best story in college football, Northwestern going to a bowl game. You got to love that. Florida AM in a bowl game. 11 wins. Uh, you have. How about this one, Tom? Always gotta, I always got to stick a fork in things, but. What did you think when you saw this pop across the screen? If you even looked at it, I'm not sure because it can be easily overlooked, Tom. Bowling Green 7-5 and will take on Minnesota with five wins. Yeah. Yeah. But, Tim, you know, speaking of Coach Sanders, where's Colorado playing their bowl game? Yeah, at home on their couch. Oh, 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 you mean Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year and Coach of the Year? Yeah. Isn't going to a bowl game. Okay, just to clear it up, because I kept looking for Colorado. I kept looking for the fraud, and I, I don't see it. It's weird. How, how about all those national all championship those national tickets that people were betting the night that we were on the air after they beat uh, – who they beat, Tom, at the beginning of the year? That All of a sudden – TCU. Yeah, put the, them in the, the national title game, man. Put them in the national title game. The powerhouse that is TCU. <laughs> Since we have time. Since we have time. Let's talk it. Let's talk it. The Guaranteed Rate Bowl played in Tucson on the day after Christmas, Tuesday, December 26th. It'll be the Kansas Jayhawks, eight wins, four losses, taking on your UNLV Rebels, nine and four, Tom. How about it, man? How about it, man? Look, I'll tell you the truth. I'm very impressed with what UNLV has done over the course of the year. It's hard not to be impressed just because, let's be honest, Sorry, Rebel fans, but the bar has been set so low, right? I mean, the bar was set unbelievably low for UNLV for the better part of a decade. So to go out there and win nine wins, get nine wins, hey, that's a good year. Um, But you do have some problems here, right? I mean, look, overall, this is a team that played six games on the road, right? Six road games. Yeah, they're four and two on the road. Their road wins uh, were very nice wins. Air Force is a nice win. New Mexico is a nice win. Nevada uh, and Utah. Okay. Does any of those teams impress you? They also lost their last two games 
giving up 37 and 44 points. They gave up 27 to an Air Force team that runs constantly, right? So now you take on Kansas. Now, Kansas had the same sort of year. Great year. You want to talk about good stories. Look at the the comeback of Kansas, who is perennially a one or a two uh, win team over and over and over. Kansas kind of had a similar year, right? Started off great. They were 4-0. Okay, you lose to Texas. No big no big deal. You lose to Oklahoma State. Ah, having a problem on the road. And then they lose two of their last three. But their offense was rolling this year. Now, against Texas, I could forgive the 14 points. 13 against Texas Tech kind of makes you scratch your head. But in all these other games, 27, 49, 38, 51, 38, 31, 34, it's offense. And you could point to the fact that, look, they lost their quarterback. Yeah, but this kid, Bean, and even Ballard, when they used him, were still able to put some points up. Now you give Kansas coaching staff some time. I said to you, I said they should set the total at like 80 for this game. I, they won't do that. But I like I like a shootout here. And I think that UNLV has a shot. I don't know if they are going to win the game, but I think they have a shot for sure. Kansas is a, is a good team. Kansas has, you know, bowl eligibility. to. It, they had their first win over a top 10 team since 2008 this year, right? Um for all intents and purposes, this is a historic season for them. I mean, historic, right? But they had to turn to Cole Ballard, the freshman. He looked good, but he's still a freshman. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So he's still a freshman. And you look at UNLV, sort of similar situation, right? Is it a quarterback that you weren't sure before the season, how is he going to do? Freshman of the year comes out with a 7-2 and record. It's it, They're almost identical teams. Two good programs, two good coaches, over-exceeded expectations, started out like a house of fire, ended the season, UNLV lost two straight games, Kansas lost two of the last three, led by freshman quarterbacks that you don't know how they're going to perform under this stage. I think it's a great bowl game. I really do. I, I, I'm, I'm excited for it as a college football fan, not even uh, rooting for UNLV or not rooting for UNLV. Just as a college football fan, I think it's a fun game. They're very identical programs. I'm giving the uh, the, the the edge to Kansas because I think that they can adapt better. I'm giving the edge to Kansas because I hated what I watched with UNLV late in the season with that defense. And maybe it's just, you know, you can take some time off and kind of adjust. I think it's going to be really hard for them to stop Kansas from getting into the mid-30s. So can Kansas keep UNLV, you know, under 30? I'm not sure. But I, I like my chances with Kansas' defense rather than UNLV's defense. Give me uh, give me something like, I don't know, 35-31 Kansas in a great game, and it would not shock me at all to see UNLV win. What's your take on this? Well, you know, Tom, uh, you know, Tom being labeled the UNLV hater, and then now just all-around Las Vegas all hater, Las Vegas. I guess that's my new guess moniker, guess my new is moniker. that I hate all things hate Las, all Vegas. Vegas. Las Vegas. I will say this. I will say this. Props to you and Obi for a nine and four season. I did see that coming, see that so coming. I was wrong. I was wrong, and I, I always admit I, I when always I'm wrong, admit Tom. When I'm wrong, I, Tom. I, I, I do. I do. I see. Um, what I will say is what, what I, I took away from the last two, two games, and I know a lot of listeners will agree with this, is that the defense is a sieve. And they're, like you said, they're playing like a team said, that can put points on the board. They're playing a team that came out of a better conference. They've had a better schedule, a tougher schedule than Kansas did. Kansas beat Oklahoma. And I know Oklahoma looked 
down the stretch, down not the stretch, that, not that, that team, but that's a huge win. Just like you know, he talks about character prestige wins for turnarounds and programs. Kansas, perennially a just a bottom of the barrel college football program, not just in the Big Twelve, but overall just garbage. A win over Oklahoma that was huge, and I think it kind of sets the future for Kansas, and hopefully it's it's something that just like UNLV is something they can improve on and get better. But I did see but I did see the defense have holes defense and exposed in those last two games. Last I did see the freshman quarterback the struggle, quarterback for, UNLV, struggle for UNLV, especially on Saturday on against Saturday Boise State on his home field. He looked home absolutely home. horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. Time, you know, Time, you know, they, they have a they, they couple have weeks a off, couple weeks game off, plan. We'll see how it goes. I'm excited to watch the game as well because I think it's a good story for both sides of the ball there. Things to look forward to in the future, Tom, is – where does Where Coach does Barry Odom Coach sit Barry on Odom the college on landscape college as far as, as college, college jobs? jobs? I know his son just committed to UNLV. His son is a quarterback. He just committed to UNLV. But those things can be corrected as well, when, especially when your father is the head coach, right, Tom? So I, I'm looking forward to a game like you. I think it'll be a, a good game to watch. I'm looking for points as well. By the way, Tom, the By only the way, line I was able to find was, was on FanDuel. On Kansas is a 12-point favorite to open this, favorite this, uh, this uh, betting, holiday. betting holiday. What's the total, Tim? It, it doesn't have it, actually. It have so. it. Oh, ah, 12 points is too much. I, I'll be on UNLV in that case. Look, I like Kansas, but, yeah, 12 points is a lot. Nope. Their defense it, is not. I found it, Tommy. 64. What, what? 64. Oh, I like the over. Yeah. You, you said it's 35-31. It puts you at 66, so there you go, dude. Yeah, I'll take the over. I don't love it as much as I, I did, hoping that falls a little bit, but I'll take the over. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I love Kansas because I used to bet – they used to have the under three. was like every year, under three wins. You'd have to shop around, but they went uh, – hold on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. They went 12 years with three wins or less. Twelve years. Now I know I I bet on them four years in a row, and I gave it out to my members at TomBartonSports.com. Four years in a row, I bet on them for three um, three wins or less back in like the fifteens, and they had zero, two, one, and then I pushed one year with a three. Just I've been doing the same know, thing to like UMass recently. By the way, you can find those. Think about all the, the stories you hear about just the turnaround at UNLV. But Kansas lived through Mark Mangino, Charlie, you know, just garbage upon garbage. So to dig yourself out of that, that that's a huge kudos to both programs. But what do you think but about Wait a minute, Tim. What? How How about this, though? They had less miles for two years, and they won three games in two years. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You know, so, yeah, you're right. The Turner Gills, the Mar- Manginos, the Charlie Weisses, those are bad. But they had less miles. Who won three games in two years? Lance Leopold comes in. Lance Leopold, for, for people that that, uh, that don't know, Lance Leopold comes in. He takes over an 0-9 team. Zero wins under less miles. He takes over a team that won three games in two years and no games the year before he took over. Wins two games immediately. Hey, that's an improvement. Six games the next year. Hey, that's an improvement. Year three, eight, and four. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was in the... Uh, the AP top twenty-five this year, and the college football playoff top. They twenty-one. They they reached twenty-one at a point this year. The just overlooking of him. Hey, let's put Dion on the cover of something else again. <laughs> right. right. What about Barry Odom? What about Barry Odom? Is, is his, his 
his uh, his, uh stock is his stock. the highest it's ever going to be right now. Uh, no, and here's why. Because there is a chance that UNLV could be going to a different conference. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there's, there's a very good chance, and this is to speak to the broader scope of it, I think there's a very good chance that the Pac-12 and Mountain West kind of form their own conference, you know? And if that happens and there's more money, UNLV will be at the top of the mountain in that, well, yes, weak conference, but better conference than what the Mountain West would be. So he doesn't have to kind of go find a Power 5 conference if they turn around and sort of make that another conference. He's not getting a job in the SEC of the Big Ten, right? So throw that out the window. And I don't think that he's going across country to the ACC. So unless he's looking at a Big 12 job, I would be very, very curious to see what happens to UNLV and and the Mountain West and the Pac-12 and what future that lies. If it's the same thing that it is, Tim, and you don't believe UNLV is going to join a bigger conference, and you don't believe that anything is going to happen. Yeah, look, he his stock is huge, and you start to look at the maybe the coaching positions around the country. But I don't think they're going to give it to him after one year. I think he needs two, and it might be a sideways move if big things are happening to the conference. I'm not sure if you saw it or not. I know that. Oregon State and Washington State both agreed in principle to play Mountain West schools beginning next year for, for next year because basically they were left out in the cold time when the rest of the conference bailed on them. So they will play six games next year against Mountain West schools. And they will not count in Mountain West standings, but it's it's an opportunity for uh, both conferences or what's left of the Pac-12 to at least have a schedule, Tom, because Oregon State and Washington were really, really screwed over. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, what is the we're, – we're all saying Pac-12 is dead. It's effectively dead. We get it. So there's no more Power 5 conferences. There's only Power 4 conferences. Okay. Is the Big 12 even a Power 4 conference once Oklahoma and Texas leave? I, I don't know. I I think it's kind of the power three conferences. And I don't think it's going to be too long before Florida State, Clemson, and probably Miami jump over to uh, the SEC, you know, maybe in exchange for Kentucky because they're a basketball conference. So I think there's a lot more shakeups to come. Uh, but the one thing I do believe, I think that the Mountain West Conference and the Pac-12 will eventually mold together. And you'll see those two teams con- conveniently in the Mountain West, whatever the new name of it's going to be called. No, no, I agree. No, no, and I, I think agree. that's – I'm okay with taking I'm those okay two schools in. Schools. You know, I think that uh, brings – if, you, brings, if you, you put them in, if you call it the new Mountain West or whatever West, it is, those whatever adding those two adding schools, those schools does does make the conference make look big, conference bigger and better, bigger actually. Better. So. Yeah, it's bigger, it's better, it's more competition, and it's more money. That's the key. And if you're talking about recruiting and more money – Vegas is now a pro sports town. They, they have the allure of Allegiant Stadium. They have, Vegas has a bigger draw than ever. Las Vegas and the Rebels should be dominating in recruiting every year from this point forward in the Mountain West slash Pac-12. They should dominate in recruiting every year. So their program will only get better. So Odom may not have to leave because he could just be the dominant coach in a conference that will outspend everybody. Yeah. He is the man, Tom Barton, Tom Tom Barton, 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 Sports.com, Tim Tim Unglesby, Super Sunday Night. 
hour one in the books. When we come back, we'll go week 13 of the NFL. We'll kick it off with some more football talk. Here on a Super Sunday night, Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. Power Pack Show here on a Super Sunday night, Heat Wave Sports. Tim Ungles, me and Tom Barton. Hour one, college football. Hour two, NFL football. But... I'm going to save some time because Tommy and I do have to talk Major League Baseball winter meetings starting tomorrow. And so many topics that coming into it, it's always fun to see how it pans out, the week does, and what actually happens. But we'll get to that at the end of the hour. So, Tommy, let's just jump right into it and move through week 13 of the NFL. And we'll start with what we saw last, Tom, and that was did the Kansas City Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs become, fraud become fraud alert, alert just like the Buffalo, just like Bills. The Buffalo Bills. Yeah, more more than the Bills. Um, more than the Bills because the Bills have excuses. I know they're built in excuses, but the Bills lost Matt Milano. The Bill, Bills lost Tredavious White. The Bills lost key defensive players. Uh, I know that Nick Bolton is gone for the Chiefs, but their offense doesn't look right. Mahomes doesn't look right. Kelsey doesn't look right, right? I, I mean, this is a team that now is relying upon, and if you're watching the game, you're hoping that Isaiah Pachenko gets the ball more. It used to be when Mahomes got the ball in his hand, you knew he was going deep. They can't they can't complete a pass deep, Tim. Um, yeah. They are missing Tyree Kill more than you could imagine. And you could say, well, down that was years ago. I get it was years ago. I'm telling you that this incarnation, they're hoping Rashid Rice becomes the guy. He's not. They hope that Mark, uh, Valdez Scanley became the guy. He didn't. The drops, the mistakes, Mahomes making mistakes. This is a Chiefs team that is very simply built around this notion. If Patrick Mahomes plays like the MVP and the best player in the league, we could win maybe even the Super Bowl. But if Patrick Mahomes plays only like a very good quarterback, then we're in some trouble. And that's what happened tonight. And let's be honest, that's what's happening for most of the season. And you start to look at the Chiefs and you go, they were winning games on defense. Now that defense has been exposed a little bit. They were winning games with a running game. All right, running game's nice, but you still want to use Patrick Mahomes in key spots. And they're just not doing it. Uh, This is not us speculating and and saying, well, you know what? Uh, It could be this. No, no, no. We're watching it in front of us. The Kansas City Chiefs are no longer the team of the dynasty, quote-unquote, maybe we we would create a dynasty. No, they're not the Tyreek Hill teams. And they're not the team that squeaked out a Super Bowl last year because they were outplayed, and they shouldn't have beaten Buffalo. We know about uh, the Josh Allen in overtime situation. They're a very fortunate team the last couple of years that's coming back to bite them. Do I think they're making the playoffs? Yeah, they're making the playoffs. But they are not the team to beat in the AFC any longer. Oh, they're making the playoffs. They're winning the division, right, Tom? They're two games up on Denver, three up on the Chargers and Raiders. We all know that that's – actually, if you think about it, five games left in the regular season. And I'm going to try to spin it the Kansas City side of it, Tom. Is there time? Is there time? For them to correct this and move into the playoffs on a roll, and then all of a sudden this is just a a mistake. No. No, there's not. Here's why there's not time, Tim. Because they haven't done it all year. They've been trying to fix it. Look, they came out of the gate against Detroit 
you know, Patrick Mahomes, 226 yards and only put up 20 points. They they beat Jacksonville, only put up 17 points, right? I'm not counting what you do against Chicago. Let's talk about what you do against good defenses. 23 against the Jets, 19 against Denver. You lost against Denver, put up nine. Put up 21 against a bad Miami defense. 17 against Philly. Yeah, take out the Vegases that has a bad defense. Take out the Chargers, which has a bad defense. The Bears. This team is having trouble scoring 20 points, right? I mean, that's what it is. Now you have Buffalo. And you get New England. They'll score. I mean, they'll win against New England. They'll win against Vegas again. Cincinnati, they'll win because of a backup quarterback. I mean, they're going to finish. They'll probably beat the Chargers. They may not lose another game the rest of the way here, Tim. They may end up, you know, with four losses on their schedule. Doesn't change the fact that when you get to the playoffs, you're going to have to take on good defenses. Baltimore has a good defense. Jacksonville has a good defense. If, you know, half of these teams get in, they're going to give Mahomes problems. And he's not going to get a first-round bye. And he likely isn't going to get home field throughout. He's going to have to go to somewhere. Mahomes is not the problem, but he's not the end-all, be-all solution. Here's his last five weeks, Tim. 240 passing yards, 185 passing yards, 177, 298, and 210. Outside of the Vegas game, he can't even crack 240 yards passing. This is a problem. So you said on X X. at Tom Barton Sports, Sports. you said earlier in the show, show. there's a new king in the AFC. No. Baltimore, nine wins. Had the week off. Miami, nine wins. Crushing the the teams they should crush, they they crush. crush. Doing things they should do. Jacksonville tomorrow night against Cincinnati can go to nine wins as well. What say you, Tom? Who's the new king of the AFC? It's not Miami because they've lost their three big tests. They've lost to Buffalo, Kansas City, and Philly, right? It certainly might be your Baltimore Ravens. Because you look at the Baltimore Ravens, and they lost an overtime game against Indy in week three. They lost a game by a touchdown at Pittsburgh, which, say what you want, it's a tough place to play. They lost a game that they had fully in hand against Cleveland. Now, do they have any huge wins on their ledger? No. Cincinnati, Houston, Cleveland, Tennessee, Detroit, Seattle. There's a chance that Baltimore could end the season and you could look at them and go, yeah, they really don't have a win on their schedule. But here's the thing, Tim. While you want to crown Baltimore, and a lot of people do, it may be the Jacksonville Jaguar. And Sunday, December 17th, we have Baltimore-Jacksonville. Because you start to look at Jacksonville, if they win tomorrow night, they'll do exactly what I said in the preseason. I told you they're going to have the best record in the AFC. Tim, you look at Jacksonville, and you go, okay, they have three losses on the year. Weeks two and three. They played real well with Kansas City, just couldn't kind of get it in the end zone. They lost to Houston, which is now a lot better team. They've already beaten Buffalo, which is a playoff team. They did what Baltimore couldn't do and win in Pittsburgh. They beat Houston in the rematch last week. And they go out there and they kind of handle their business. The one blemish on their ledger is San Francisco, who just humiliated Philly. So if we're in all in accordance that... The best team in the NFL right now, who's playing the best, is San Francisco. I'm telling you that Jacksonville is the second best team in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. At least the best team in the AFC. Don't get mad, Philly fans. 
yeah, the, the, that matchup match in a few weeks is going to be in Jacksonville is going to be a fun one to watch for sure. And Whoever uh, wins that, you know, Tim, getting, is the number one overall seed. Whoever wins that game is the number one overall seed. And you're getting a lot of these uh, preview preview playoff matchups, including the one you just talked about in Philadelphia today at 42-19, spanking San Francisco put on Philadelphia. And is this go to the thing we've said all year about Philadelphia skating by being a fraud? Yeah, yes and no. Um, that's, that's a hard thing to say. Look, I don't think Philly's necessarily a fraud. They just had not played their best game. All, they haven't played a complete game all year. And I continued to think that it would come back and bite them, and, and it did today. I think that we've all said this about San Francisco. When they are healthy, they are the most talented and up and down the roster, easily the best team in the NFL. The problem is they've had quarterback going in and out of the lineup. Christian McCaffrey has a history of injuries. Debo Samuel can't stay healthy. George Kittle has a history of injuries, right? You look at the defense, they have all kinds of injuries all the time. It's a San Francisco team that if they're all healthy, nobody's beating them and nobody's coming close to them. I mean, look, I just announced Jacksonville is the best team in the AFC. They humiliated him. Philly, the next best competition, they humiliated him. The problem is, can you believe that San Francisco is going to go on and be healthy for the rest of the year? I'll go back again to our preview show. I had Seattle winning the division, but San Francisco going to the Super Bowl because I told you it's all about health with them and they're going to have bad weeks where they're not healthy. I still believe that, that I worry about Christian McCaffrey's workload. I worry about Debo Samuel and counting on him. I worry about George Kittle because we've seen it every year. So San Francisco's in the catbird seat right now. San Francisco looks absolutely fantastic. San Francisco is rolling. San Francisco is the best team in the league. Yeah, they beat up on Philly today. Sure. Does that mean that I think that they're just going to absolutely go wipe the floor with everybody? No. I don't know if they don't, if they... Look, I think they beat Seattle, Arizona, Washington, Los Angeles. They might beat Baltimore, too. They may not lose another game here, Tim. But they did lose against Cleveland and Minnesota and Cincinnati in back-to-back-to-back weeks. Why? Because their team was banged up. So it's hard to predict injuries. I will say this. As of today, there's nobody stopping San Francisco. But today and six weeks from now is a vastly different conversation about who can stay on the field. We got our Detroit boys listening, of course. Tom C. Wynn, Brian Feldman. The Lions with a win today over the New Orleans Saints on the road. They go to 9-3. and So three games up over Minnie and Green Bay in the north on their way to a division title, Tom. A playoff spot again. How about Detroit 9-3? and How about Dallas 9-3? Dallas was winner um, home against Seattle on Thursday night. Well, let's touch on Detroit first. I, I did not like what I saw at all today. And you can't like it if you are a Detroit fan. Their defense is horrible right now. I've taken the over every single game since their bye week. They allowed 38 to the Chargers, 36 to the Bears, 29 to Green Bay, and 28 to New Orleans today. New Orleans can't score. And, oh, by the way, that game is over. It should have been over. It was 21-0 after the first quarter. And they barely hung on to win against a Saints team with backup quarterbacks and Taysom Hill playing quarterback, a Saints team that you look at this team and they put up 28 points after being down 21-0, 28 points with backup quarterbacks. Well, let's take a look at what the Saints really are. Hmm, when was the last time they scored 28 points? Oh, it happened twice all year. 
twice mm-hmm. all season long that the Saints scored that many points. I would be very nervous about what's going on in Detroit because their defense is just flat out bad right now. As far as Dallas goes, you called it. You said Dallas going to the Super Bowl before the year. And I said, Tim, I just, I can't, I can't believe it. But I did believe in Dak Prescott. Dak is playing lights out. Dak is playing MVP level right now. They are playing as a team MVP level. I thought Diggs going down was going to derail anything they had. They were able to recover from that. I think Dallas is the most dangerous team outside of San Francisco in the NFC right now. And I think that Dallas proves that next week when they take on Philly. I had Dallas-Baltimore. You had Buffalo-San Francisco, correct? Yes. We're, we're still we're all still alive, we're my man. Alive. We're all still alive. So. Hey, I had the Jags' best record in the AFC. Yes, but you said it. But 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 this was they were not going to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's, the, what's the five weeks to go in the regular season? So, I mean, still plenty of time for everything. What what about the, what about the just the, the jumble of teams fighting for playoff spots? It's always fun to watch these teams kind of eliminate each other each week. But Texans, Broncos. Rams, Browns, Browns, Pittsburgh. Anything out of there stand out to you? The Rams are on a run, and so are kind of Texans, right? Everybody's loving the Texans, um, and for good reason. I mean, they are a dangerous team. My problem with the Texans is that I still, I'm still not buying into C.J. Stroud. I know he's great, he's wonderful, everybody loves him. I, I get it. He makes mistakes. Two weeks ago, he threw three interceptions, and they still won the game, Tim, right? I mean, in a clutch spot, could I see them stealing a, a, a playoff bid? Yeah, I think that I think Houston's better than Indy. I think Houston's better than Cleveland. I think Houston's better than Pittsburgh, okay? So that puts them all the way up to the five spot. Yeah, I think that they are. I think they're a playoff team, but I'm not getting too excited about them. In the NFC, that's where things can get a little bit interesting because there are so many variables. I, I mean, the Saints at Tampa Bay are not dead. Seattle's not dead. You start to look at, I don't buy into Atlanta. I, I don't buy into Minnesota. Green Bay looked really impressive tonight. And if the Rams stay healthy, watch out. The Rams can catch fire. They have the coach. They have the quarterback. They have the receivers. I don't think they have the defense, but the Rams are dangerous. Green Bay is a dangerous team. And this is coming from a Bears fan. They are absolutely playing at that elite level at times. This was not a fluke what they did against Kansas City. Their offense has been humming. Jordan Love looks good back there. If they get Aaron Jones back, watch out. I know we're kind of doing the, the truncated version of Week 13. What would anything else stand out to you, Tom? Yeah, I mean, look, you, you go over you know, today's games. I, I know that the Bills had a bye week, so I'm not going to get on the Bills, but... Yeah, I think we're a little premature kind of, uh, you know, throwing the dirt on the, on the Bills, <laughs> you know, and what they did. But you look at, I, I mentioned the Rams, but you look at teams that, you know, maybe could kind of start to cause some problems in the playoffs, you know. And the, the teams that kind of come bubbling to the surface, a team like the Colts, because of the way that they play so free and loose, are they a problem causer? I don't think so. I don't buy into the Texans either. I, I don't really buy into those kind of uh, fringe teams. It, to me, what I saw today was this. San Francisco is head and shoulders the best team in the NFC. Philly, Detroit, and Dallas are, are all chomping at the bit. 
and then it falls off. Atlanta, Minnesota, Green Bay, Rams, Seattle, none of them are winning a playoff game. And then you go to, you know, you go to the AFC, and it's the same thing to me. You have elite teams, and then you have garbage on the bottom, right? Miami's uh, legit. Baltimore's legit. Jacksonville's legit. And KC's still legit. Pittsburgh, now with no Kenny Pickett. Cleveland, with Joe Flacco. Indy, with Gardner Minshew. I mean, are we kidding? I still think Buffalo gets in, and I think Houston gets in. And if you put Buffalo and Houston in, all of a sudden, hey, those teams could upset somebody. I can see Buffalo beating Miami. I can see Buffalo beating KC. You know, I can see Houston upsetting a, a, a you know, a, a Miami or a KC as well. So it starts to get interesting that I'm not buying into the teams that right now in the AFC are five, six, seven, and I'm not buying into the teams that right now are four, six, and I guess seven in the NFC. It's very top heavy, and I think that we saw that today. I think we saw the top-heavy nature. And if Jacksonville wins tomorrow, I think we're going to see the top-heavy nature even more where the top elite teams are simply the top elite teams. And these bottom teams that are scrambling to make the playoffs, they're going to do nothing but fall away with a whimper. Tough to be a fan of teams like... Chargers, Pats, Falcons, Jets. I mean, what an atrocity those games were today, Tom. And I know we're not going to delve into them, but 6 nothing, 13 to 8 the finals of those games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I am in a survivor pool, Tim, um, where there was like 6,000 people to win $31,000. And I, I'm down to the nitty-gritty. And I, one of my choices were to take the Chargers today. I didn't. I took Pittsburgh. I'm out. I was one of uh, 38 people left. And I was going to take the Chargers, and I was just like, I can't take this team. I, I And I said, I don't know if either one of them score a touchdown. I'm dead serious. I really <laughs> thought about neither one of these might score a touchdown. Guess what? They didn't. And that, that's kind of the problem. I, I got a question for you, though. After today is all, the dust is settled here, right? I don't think that I remember a year where there was absolutely no clear-cut MVP going into week 14. Who's the MVP leader for you? I mean, I'm hearing the names Purdy. I I, I hear Dak. People are saying Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts cannot be a part of this. He, he can't. Jalen Hurts can't be a part of this and get destroyed by San Francisco the way that he did. Um, You start to talk about Tyreek Hill, but we know the history of quarterbacks and their, you know, what they're doing. And then you have a guy like Lamar. I think Purdy's going to get some love. I, I certainly think Lamar will get some love. Maybe Tua, but I think that Hill's going to take away from Tua. It starts to get real interesting. Does Dak steal this thing, Tim, if he beats Philly next week? Or is this maybe a Brock Purdy situation where they want the new fun conversation and they kind of steal it from da- from Lamar, even if he is having a better year? I, I definitely think I, I definitely that, think that it's, Dax it's Dax to lose right now. I think Tua has to be in the conversation, in the Tom, conversation, even though he has a, a, lot has a, a lot of picks. He still has 24 Start touchdowns. Four he has, touchdowns. Uh, what, 3,500 yards, 3, yards passing. Purdy's there. Purdy's there. Uh, I think Tariq Hill is going to finish with probably close to 2,000 yards receiving. It'll be close. It'll be close. He's got to be considered, but it's probably for me, it's Dak, Brock, Tua right now. Well, right now, um, 
Jalen Hurts is still leading the way at plus 250. I I, I think he's got to drop out. He, he has to drop out because of what happened today. Mahomes is 4-1. to one. He's got to drop out for what happened today. And Dak comes in at three at third. You can get Dak Prescott at plus 475 right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it really is a weird year because nobody's stepping up. There is still a lot of time to be had, but no one's stepping up. It's not out of the range of possibilities that we finally get a non, non-quarterback. Look, if, if Dak struggles, let's say Dak loses next week. Or Hurts loses, it's going to eliminate whoever loses, right? Brock Purdy, on his own team, I think that everybody would tell you he's not even nearly as valuable as Christian McCaffrey. So that's a little bit weird. Lamar is good, but Lamar's stats aren't eye-popping like he did have to win. If Tyreek Hill gets 2,000 yards and 20 touchdowns, can we see Tyreek as the MVP? Or no way, it's only a quarterback. I think... Tyreek would be in the discussion. The problem is Tua's throwing him in ball. So as Tyreek goes, Tua goes, and Tua's the quarterback, right? So what's Tua's odds, Tom? You have that handy? Tua's odds, you're getting about 12 to 1. 12 to 1 for a guy who has 3,500 yards, 24 touchdowns right now. He does have 10 picks, but he plays the Titans, the Jets. Then you get the matchup Dak versus Tua. In Miami, in Miami, at Ravens, at home Ravens, against Buffalo. Home so against the last Buffalo. part of his schedule, part is of schedule is tough. I think if they come out of that five games at four and one, and he plays well, he, he's, a, he's a dark horse there, man. He certainly could be. I, I mean, I, I did a whole show on Sports Garden Network before the year, and I said, whatever you do, just understand that we watched a historic year from Michael Thomas a couple of years ago. We watched a historic year from Christian McCaffrey. They're never going to give it to a non-quarterback. And here we are. You know, Tyreek Hill is on pace for 132 receptions, 2,100 yards, and 17 or maybe 18 touchdowns. I, I don't know. I, I think that those two split. Right now, to me, if Dak beats Philly next week, I think Dak's the, the favorite. If Lamar beats Lawrence in two weeks, maybe Lamar can steal this thing. What if Lamar beats, what if Lamar beats Lawrence and Purdy in and Purdy. two out of three weeks? Then he's it. And what yeah. but then then I, I flip out because I'm always like a year earlier, a year late. Remember, I had I had Lamar 25 to 1 odds last year. I didn't do it this year. And he might well might well do it. How about this? You know, real quick, Tim, I, I again I know we're we're up against the break here, but uh how about Josh Allen? Uh, look, Josh Allen is say what you want. Everyone's got ripping them apart, you know, having their conversation. Josh Allen. 3,200 yards, 24 touchdowns, 30 picks. He's on pace right now to throw for 4,500 yards. He's on pace for 35 touchdowns, Tim, and that's just passing. He's going to run for a a bunch more touchdowns, right? And the schedule suddenly looks daunting for Buffalo. But what if they win? Right? Nobody's talking about that. Everyone's looking at, oh, this Buffalo Bills. Ah, they're 6-6. and They might not make the playoffs, right? But they're coming out of their bye week. They have Kansas City, who looks very very vulnerable right now. He beats Mahomes head-to-head. Stock goes up. Then he's got Dak. He beats Dak head-to-head. Stock goes up. Then he's got the Chargers, which they should win. They'll be favorites in. Then they got New England at home. Again, they should be win favorite. And then week 18, that actually might mean something. 
he's got a chance to go against Tua. So if he goes head-to-head against Mahomes, Dak, and Tua, wins those games, they go 5-0 and the last five games, Josh Allen could still be the MVP here. I think it's tough. If they go 5-0, and that puts them 11-6. and A six-loss team with a quarterback that's the MVP, and I don't know, man. You'd have to put up some eye-poppers down the stretch, I guess. Well, look, he's he's probably going to lead the league in passing, right? I, I, he's going to lead the league in passing touch and total touchdowns for sure. In passing touchdowns, I, I mean, it's not crazy. And I'm just look. I know people are kind of burying the guy, <laughs> you know, which is ridiculous um, for an elite, elite Hall of Fame career coming. But you look at Josh Allen and you go, right now, where's Josh Allen? Number six in yards, you know, and he's only. 200 yards behind C.J. Stroud, who, oh, by the way, we didn't even mention C.J. Stroud, certainly could be uh, in the conversation. Josh Allen is only two touchdowns behind Dak Prescott, but he also runs for a bunch. I don't think it's crazy if Buffalo gets hot. Do we think Buffalo's going to get hot? Probably not. But if he does, he's going to be right there. Tom Barton with the... Dishing the advice out there. What, what is Allen? He's, he's dry, obviously his odds have fallen. So he's more than twenty to one odds. Yeah. Value. And just to give you just just to give you an idea here, I, I want to give you Dak Prescott is is the guy that I think we both agree if he wins next week he's going to be the guy, right? So completions, Josh Allen has more attempts. He's got about twenty more completion percentage. It's about two percentage points off yards. 20-yard difference between Dak and Allen. Um, Yards per game, one-yard difference. Touchdowns, two-touchdown difference. You start to break this down. Oh, by the way, Josh Allen runs a lot more than Dak. The odds for Josh Allen, if, if you think Buffalo can get hot, oh, throw some coin on Allen to win the MVP. I like it. Tom Barton, Tim Unglesby, final timeout. When we come back, we will close it out with some Major League Baseball. Does Otani sign this week? Does Juan Soto get traded this week? Big topics. I'm going to break it down for you. Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. All right, going to close it out. Going to close it out. Major League Baseball. Real quick, Tom, though, I was reading that um, you were busy this past week. You didn't even tell me about this, but I guess Monday night, you, my friend, purchased a 1914 Baltimore News Babe Ruth rookie card for $7.2 million, man. How could you not tell me about this? Uh, you love that, right? I, me and Tim have discovered after uh, like like 12 years of friendship that, oh, by the way, we both like to collect baseball cards. <laughs> and, uh, and, and yeah, look, uh, the Babe is a card I've been looking to get my hands on. I had 7.2 laying around, so I went into the auction. Uh, the third most expensive card ever. And it's graded a three, by the way. Three. three. <laughs> it's graded a three. I have a, a 1920 uh, card that, that's graded like a one and a half. Uh, and, and it's just cool to have those old tobacco cards. It really, like, I, I don't I don't care. The, the condition's actually pretty good. It's not like ripped or anything. Um, I don't care who it is. You know, I, I really don't. I don't care 
uh, you know, who it is or what it is. You got you have something that's a hundred years old, like baseball card. It's just pretty cool, man. By the way, stay tuned way, for stay Tommy and I's new Tommy podcast coming, podcast card, card collectible show. Collectible. So that, that'll be coming to you soon. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Hey, sec- secondary business. After the bar shut down, I've been looking for something, Tim. There, there you go. Yeah. There you go. We got a big week in baseball. Well, uh, I'll preface it with we could have a big week in baseball. The winter meetings are always fun. You attended, attended one here in Vegas a few years ago. We're always looking for that big sign, right? The Harper, the Machado. What's going to happen? And then sometimes it just doesn't happen. What say you this week? Do we get Otani? Do we get Soto? Do we get the big stories in Nashville here starting tomorrow? No. I do believe we're going to get Otani quickly here. And and here's why. I learned, like you said, I went to the baseball meetings that should have been the greatest baseball meetings of all time. It was Harper, it was Machado, it was Harper in Vegas. Um, you know, I spoke to Scott Boris at, at that point. It was all designed, and it fizzled out. It was nothing special. It, you know, they, they didn't they didn't do it. Well, that goes to speak to Harper, and this is not a, a slight on Harper, just Harper and Machado's personality, right? It just, it, they didn't want to rush things, and they wanted to go through, and Harper was waiting for the Yankees to call on Cashman, and that moron never called, right? So, I got it. Otani's a different cat, though. Otani wants to just say, okay, I make my decision, and that's that. This is a guy that lives across the street from the ballpark. He likes his comfortable life. He doesn't want to be a celebrity. He likes what he's doing. I don't expect a lot of fanfare and a lot of hoopla. I don't think Otani needs to be wined and dined. Some guys, you hear it. I talk to ex-baseball players that say, yeah, when I was a free agent, I wanted uh, the, the lavish life. I wanted teams to tell me how good I was. I wanted the free dinners and stuff because it's your one time to kind of have that. Otani doesn't need, and I don't think Otani even wants that. So I think he's going to make his decision pretty quickly. The Soto stuff is going to take some time. First of all, here's the problem with the Soto stuff. I I saw the package that allegedly they want back from the Yankees, and they want seven players. Okay, that's a starting spot, right? Now all of a sudden Boris says, well, Toronto is involved. No, they're not. This is a classic Scott Boris conversation, right? No, they're not. Toronto is not involved. It's going to be the Yankees, maybe the Mets, or, or or somebody that's going to pay him. Because the problem is that Boris is taking him to free agency next year. 100%. There's no way that Juan Soto is not going to free agency. That doesn't mean that the Yankees or the Mets or whoever he goes to can't sign him. Uh, but I expect the Soto thing to drag out because it's Boris, because of the situation. A guy like Josh Hader, same sort of thing, right? I think that teams are looking at all of these these players and saying, okay, you know, let's let's get them done first and then we'll come back and circle around to Josh Hader. Yamamoto, I'm up in the air about. I've heard from people pretty close to the source that says Yamamoto has already made up his mind, but he wanted to be posted. And he wants to do the honorable thing, which is that culture um, of letting teams kind of speak to him, even though he's made up his mind. That's interesting to me. So, I think Otani is the first name to, to drop. I think we're going to find out Otani before Christmas. I think we we may find out Otani by this time next week. I, I think it's 50-50. Actually, you know what? I'm going to say I think it's 60-40 we find out Otani in the next week. I think it's, it's 90% we find out before Christmas. Yamamoto, I think we find out before Christmas. I don't think he goes until, until the new year. So... 
Those two are going to be the first two. Juan Soto, I could see this thing playing out for some time here. Um, but but I do think that the Soto conversation is vastly different because of because of Boris and 100% because of Boris. So Otani watch, Dodgers, Blue Jays, Angels, or what I heard. Is that true? Dodgers, Blue Jays, Angels, and I'm not buying into the Blue Jays at all. The Cubs really believe that they have something there. Uh, Chris Wynn just wrote San Francisco. I've been saying San Francisco for a while. I think they're going to come at him pretty hard. Uh, the the idea that Seattle trade clinic and freed up space today for Otani, I, I just can't buy into that because of, of I'm now hearing that Otani's over 500 million. They're looking at figures of 600 million. That's what, what everybody that I've spoken to that I trust in this business is saying. To me, that leaves one man, Tim. That's Cohen. Mm-hmm. I think that that I've thought all along since the day that this was announced, I said he's staying in LA. It's either the Dodgers or the Angels, and I've consistently leaned the Dodgers. But he's staying in LA. He likes it there. He's there. I've said that all along. I have wavered and said, eh, maybe I could see a San Fran. Maybe you know I could see this. From what I know about Steve Cohen, and I know people that know him intimately, he is looking at this off season. I told you this about Yamamoto. He's looking at this as uh, a, I don't know how to say this for the radio version, as a foot measuring contest to see who has the biggest feet, okay? That's, that's how he's looking at this. He wants to prove to not only the Yankees, but to all of baseball, he can buy what he wants. That's why I think Yamamoto winds up with the Mets because he's going to give him more than anybody else. But if there's that big name, if Steve Cohen is hearing that everybody, the Dodgers are offering $500 million and Cohen comes in and says, I'll give you six? I mean, it's hard for, for him to turn down. I think that the New York Mets are in a foot-measuring contest, we'll call it. And I think Steve Cohen is that guy to just blow teams out of the water to prove a point. So while I still think he goes to L.A., and most likely the Dodgers, I'm not discounting the Steve Cohen factor. Does he? So when he got hurt, so when he got hurt, everybody said that. Everybody well, five hundred million is not happening. It's still happening, isn't it's it? Still Tom? happening, isn't it? Tom? It's absolutely happening. The numbers that I read um, are, are well into the you know six hundred. There's multiple teams bidding above five hundred. I heard one team was bidding above six hundred. To me, that's Cohen, right? Mm-hmm. And for for a guy like Steve Cohen, forget about the money aspect. He knows he's going to make it back. City Field will be packed out. He's going to sell jerseys and hats and tickets and special events and seats. And Otani will make your money back. I gave you the figure for the Angels, which let's just be honest, was a down franchise the last couple of years. For the Angels, he was bringing in anywhere between $22 and $24 million per year in extra fees to the team. You bring him to New York, that goes up into the 30s. So if he's got to pay him $40 million a year, but he's getting back immediately 30 or 35 from jersey sales and tickets, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. I I don't think there's a single team out there that will go above 500 except for the Mets. When I heard six, when I heard the number six, I said, that's got Cohen written all over it. What about the Yankees? What about so, the Yankees? so craft this for craft me, Tom, this for me, Tom, that... Tom, that- if this trade happens this between the Padres and the Yankees, and the Yankees, 
Uh, first of all, first of all do, you like it? do you like it? Considering all the factors. All the factors. Secondly, Secondly, what's the return, what's the return package, package to San Diego? I don't like it. I, I don't like it at all. Um, I understand it, though, and I'm on board with it. And the return package, they're asking for Thorpe and Hampton, um, maybe a Cabrera. I've heard, uh, you, you know, Jones be involved, but the Yankees are really hesitant to give up Jones. Their first their first ask was Volpe. He's not going anywhere. They asked for Dominguez. If you're able to get Juan Soto and not – I don't care about Thorpe and Hampton. I'm sorry, I just don't. Um, give him up. And, and they want Michael King. Give him up. I love it. Michael King is my, my right now my third favorite Yankee. Okay. He literally is my third favorite. He's my son's second favorite Yankee after Rizzo. He loves, he loves judge Rizzo and, and, and King. So I love Michael King. Give him up. They're pitchers. You can find pitchers that are not aces, right? Thorpe, Hampton, uh, um, King, Cabrera, Peraza, everybody. If you don't have to give a Volpe, Dominguez, Wells, judge or, or Cole, you give them up. You trade it for, uh, for Soto. And here's why I'm split. I don't like it because you know he's going to free agency. I don't want to give up guys that you could go buy him for. You know, I don't like that. But I have confidence that the Yankees could sign him long-term. I think he's a hell of a player. I think that that's a good thing. And I do think that the Yankees have to start realizing they're in a window where they have the best pitcher in baseball in Garrett Cole in his prime. He only got maybe a year or two left of a prime. And they have the best hitter in baseball. Yeah, I said it. Best player in baseball is Aaron Judge. And he only has a year or two left of his prime. So you have the two best players in baseball right now in their prime that you only have maybe one or two years. So I don't mind going after Soto to try to kind of stack the team right now. I just don't love giving up a a five or six player package if you have to give up a Dominguez or a Volpe, I hate it. But if it's Thorpe, King, Hampton, Peraza, Cabrera, yeah, give it up. Give me Soto. I was reading some of the uh, San Diego news rags. Well, online now. But unnamed, unnamed person said that, that uh, San Diego front office really wants Jason Dominguez if the deal is going to go down. It's not going to happen. They're not getting Dominguez for a one-year rental. You know, and that's the problem. That's the problem with Soto. He's a, he's legitimately a rental until next year. And you could think that he's going to resign with New York. And you could think that New York's going to be great for him. And you could think that he gets along with Aaron Judge. You you could, you could hope all these things and think all these things. And guess what? Most of them are probably true. But you don't have any guarantees there. You're not giving up Jason Dominguez. They're just not going to do it. They... they you can talk about it if you're San Diego. We can talk about if it's worth it or not. I'm telling you now, Cashman will not do it. It doesn't. It's not worth the conversation. He will not make that trade because Cashman is getting ripped in the media so bad that if Cashman makes that trade and then loses Soto after this year, Cashman will lose his job, be vilified in this town, rape right through the coals because they wouldn't have Soto or Dominguez. You could live without having King or Thorpe or Hampton, and you could say, look, these guys don't have a track record. You, Brian Cashman can't destroy his own legacy by giving up a Volpe or a Dominguez. Yeah. And you have 
have to look at, by the way, you have to look at, when you're looking at trades, you have to look at the general manager's proclivity for what they've done in the past. That's why I say Toronto's not a real destination. When has Toronto ever made that huge move? It, it just hasn't happened. It, 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 it's pie-in-the-sky nonsense, right? I mean, come on. It, they don't do that. The New York Yankees, Brian Cashman, for all his posturing, he doesn't make massive moves like this and give up your cornerstone pieces. He held on to Jabba Chamberlain and Phil Hughes and didn't go get Cliff Lee. He held on to, uh, you know, guys like Clint Frazier, Miguel Andujar, and didn't go get guys. He decided not to go get Bryce Harper or even make a phone call to Bryce Harper or Manny Machado because he had uh, Giancarlo Stanton and felt like he was the guy. He, he, for all his faults, and, and this is a bad thing about Cashman, but it's something that we know about him, he likes to try to recreate homegrown talent. He's not going to give up Dominguez. He's not going to give up Volpe. And I, I understand the I whole understand. aspect of your prospects and your guys that are the future of the team. And a lot of big-name players over the past few years, we've just seen dud trades back and forth, you know, like for me personally, the Machado Orioles to Dodgers, what did we get out of that? Dean Kremer is the only thing left in that deal. Didn't work out for Baltimore, right? Didn't work for L.A. either because they didn't win the World Series. But we see trades like that happen. And again, in this one, that – New York was the one that, that the cut one down that this deal with King and Thorpe, King Tommy. And Thorpe, but I think there's because there was a back end of four to six prospects, four to six prospects attached, attached to that deal, to as, that well. deal as well. So I understand so that, I understand that aspect that of it. If I'm San Diego, what's the difference between just not trading him and let's play it out and see what happens at the deadline this summer? Yeah, you could do that, but he loses value. Every time he steps up to the plate, Tim, he loses value. You know, I think San Diego has to trade him. And I think that everybody knows that that there's only a few teams. Because he, like I said, if he was signed long-term, that's one thing. If he had a different agent besides Scott Boris, that would be something different. But when you sign a guy, when you trade for a guy, you have 72 hours to make a long-term contract offer. Scott Boris is not allowing him to sign in 72 hours. He He's going to wait to see what Otani makes. Oh, wait a minute. Otani made 600. Soto is going to ask for something very similar. Remember what this man just turned down. Remember what Soto turned down from Washington, right? And that's why Washington dealt him. He's a hard guy to deal with. Not Soto, but Scott Boris. Hard guy to deal with. Hard agent to deal with. Perfect age. And if he comes to New York and Scott Boris is going, yeah, go to New York, go to the short porch, and he hits 50 home runs and bats 320 and leads the Yankees to a championship, all that does is add another $100 million onto the top of that salary. And why are you giving up prospects when you could just go buy the guy? Should be an exciting week. Real quick, I, we you talked about the deal with Seattle and Atlanta briefly. Jared Kellenick, their top prospect a couple years ago, just 24 years of old, Tom, uh, going to Atlanta in the deal. You think to maybe open up some some money there to potentially do what what they can make a run at, maybe Mr. Shohei. I love I love. Atlanta side of this, Atlanta to tell you the truth. Um, I think if, I think if that guy is going to break out, it'll be in an Atlanta Braves uniform. We've seen it before. We've seen it before. Well, the knock on Kalenic, he, he's was considered the short, can't-miss prospect, most likely to be Mike Trout when he was coming up, right? I mean, that's really what he was when the Mets system and then over to the Mariners. Um, the problem with him is he's mentally just not not that guy. Okay, let's just be honest. He's had mental problems. 
Uh, he he's he gets in his own head. He gets down on himself. And that's been kind of a problem. But guess what? Spencer Torkelson had the same kind of thing. He went to see a therapist. He's got a sports therapist. And he crushed it this year. He needed a change of scenery. Seattle's a bad place for him. If there's any team that could go, don't worry, man. You just be you. And we'll get you, the, you know, the in a right headspace. It is absolutely Atlanta. I love this trade for the Braves. Marco Gonzalez, Marco I know he's Gonzalez, coming off surgery, but the surgery. veteran arm, if he's, he's back, it's a veteran back arm to put in the rotation. And even Evan White, right, Tom? Guy had mass, mass hype coming out. They signed him to a long-term deal. And if he could figure it out, this becomes a steal of a trade. Even with Kellenic involved, it's still a hell of a trade. But all the three of those pieces work out for Atlanta. We could be talking about the Braves in the World Series again. Yeah, look, I think Evan White's more of a defensive kind of replacement, but that's useful to a championship team. Marco Gonzalez, fifth starter fill-in guy, useful left-handed to a, a championship team. Um, they got rid of Cole Phillips, who I actually think is going to be pretty good, and Jackson Cower, but guess what Atlanta has? Plenty of pitching! Yeah, this is an absolute coup. And this was the Mariners clearing space and money for something. Right? I mean, uh, Marco Gonzalez making a lot of money. This is them clearing space for something. I don't think it's clearing space for Otani, but it's certainly clearing space for something. They lost, they dropped $20 million this year off their books. $20 million a year. Tim, that that's that's a big chunk. Yeah. Some, somebody's getting some, somebody's some of that money. Some of Let's that just money. put it that way. Yeah, exactly. It, it's they're they're gonna they're positioning to make a big move. You know it's not gonna be hater in the back end. Uh, it's probably not Otani. Um, maybe they're they're thinking they can make a run Soto. I don't think that that's reality either. They do have the farm system to do it, but I don't think so. So you start to wonder, you know, who is their target? I I don't know. I really don't know because there are no huge names out there unless all of a sudden we see a swerve and you see Yamamoto in the Pacific Northwest. And we know the the history with the Japanese players going to Seattle, so that makes actually makes some sense there, Tom, if you think about that. What about trades? What about trades? Do, do we see a Cease or a Glasnow or a Burns go? And then back to the free agent pitchers, where's Blake Snell end up after his season? Uh, Snell seems like a cardinal to me, but they've made a lot of moves, so I'm not sure, you know, where he goes. He, he, the Dodgers still make sense. I mean, it's, the Dodgers still make sense that they have to go get pitching. As far as trades go, I don't see Burns going yet. I continue to think that he has to go, but I don't see him going yet. Cease, he's going to be gone. And I think that he's probably, uh, where he lands is probably the Cardinals. You guys need one, though. Baltimore needs a frontline pitcher, and the Angels desperately need a frontline pitcher. It wouldn't shock me if Cease or Snell wound up there. Right. Well, we got through it, Tom. It was a huge two-hour show. I look forward to next week so we can talk about uh, the winter meetings, talk about week 14 of the NFL. But let's talk about Tom Barton Sports right now. Winners after winners, my man. Hey, listen, I've had one losing week in the NFL all year long. It's TomBartonSports.com. TomBartonSports.com had Florida State on Saturday night. Yeah, win cover once that line fell. There you go. 
Today, we're sitting around. Yeah, I had the Dolphins. Uh, I got to play for tomorrow night as well. Go jump on board. It's TomBartonSports.com, guys. Do yourself a Christmas wish favor. Let me buy your Christmas gifts because that's what I'm going to do is put money in your pocket. Go check it out. It's TomBartonSports.com. And where can we find you this week, Tom? We do want to be up to date on the Major League Baseball meetings. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Go check me out over on Believe Network. It's Believe in betting on the Believe Podcast Network over at sportsgarten.com, G-A-R-T-E-N. I'm always over there. And Believe in the Ivy League. It's starting to pick up with college basketball. Yeah, Believe in the Ivy League. I'm starting to get a, a lot of comments on that. Ivy League's having a good year. Princeton was undefeated up until uh, this weekend. So come and check me out there as well. All right, Tom, we'll talk to you next week, my man. It's uh, down the stretch of the year 2023. Maybe the next time we talk, Otani will have a landing spot. Have a good one, Tim. For Tom Barton, TomBartonSports.com. For my man Angel back at the Lotus Broadcast Studios, it's Tim Mungles. We have a great sports week. We'll talk to you next time here on Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas.